The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, and I am coming to you from the road again today. If you're watching us on social media, on Facebook, please share us with your friends and family. If you've got questions or comments, you can post them there in the comments section. If you're watching us on the website, there is a place where you can post your question or comment there. My most favorite place to catch the show is on the phone app. Make sure that you've got that downloaded and you can download it from the Apple or the Android store. It's FISM TV. And not only do you get this show, but you get all of the great content that this ministry puts out, like the FISM news that comes on every night at six o'clock central, seven o'clock Eastern time, where you're going to hear all of the latest headlines, what's happening in the world uh, from a biblical worldview. So tune in for that. You can watch that. You can listen on the app. If you miss the show, you can take us with you wherever you go. If, you, if you've got a commute or you're going out for a walk and you just want to get caught up on what's happening with financial issues, you can watch or listen live on the phone app. If you hear the tail end of something that sounded interesting, you can always go back and catch it again. So just uh, let's get into some economic news here this morning. We are in the thick of earnings season as 20% of the S&P is set to report this week. The companies that are reporting so far are showing that demand, uh, consumer demand remains robust and sales are holding up. So year-over-year revenue for the S&P 500 companies in this quarter is expected, as they're coming out and reporting, to have risen 12.5% compared to what analysts were previously expecting as an increase of 10.4%. So that is a good bit higher than the general rate of inflation. And since profit margins don't seem to be shrinking as much, that tells us that companies have been successful in passing along inflation to consumers. So stocks are indicating better pricing. Now, when you look at the the S&P 500's forward 12-month P.E. ratio, which is a valuation of the um, of stocks in general, it is currently at 17.5%. That is, of course, if earnings do hold up, down from 22.1 at the end of December, but that is still above the long-term average of about 16. Last week, we got a negative read on GDP for the second quarter of almost negative 1% that showed that we are in a technical recession, which is defined as two quarters of negative GDP growth. But of course, the Biden administration is not ready to admit that we're in a recession yet. They're waiting on the National Bureau of Economic Research to have the official say as to whether or not we are in a recession. The Biden administration, unfortunately for them, is going to have another GDP read just prior to the November elections. So uh, we'll see how that works out for them. (laughs) 
So this week we got out some jobs numbers, job opening and quits data that did confirm some weakening, further weakening in the labor market. It is still a pretty strong labor market, but it was just as I suspected. The number of job openings in the U.S. fell by 605,000 from a month earlier to 10.7 million. So we were seeing 11 million. That just means that there's fewer jobs out there for every worker that is actually wanting to go to work. Now, it is still strong because, you know, just a, a month or two ago, we were seeing almost two job openings for every one person who wanted to work. So not bad news yet. We still do have a strong labor market, but it is it was the third consecutive drop in job openings after the record level in March. So the largest uh, decreases were in retail trade, wholesale trade, and in state and local government education. Meanwhile, some 4.2 million Americans quit their jobs in May, and that was little changed from the prior month, and the rate is unchanged at 2.8%. So, you know, we are starting to see <clears throat> some moderating in the labor markets, which is going to be a good thing for inflation, you know, but the real issue is oil. And, you know, the Biden administration says that their top domestic priority is to fight inflation. Well, you know, they're putting forth some meager efforts at it, you know, uh, trying to go to Saudi Arabia first to get oil production increased and then come into U.S. companies to try to get them to increase refining capacity when we're already at 94 or 95 percent capacity. The problem were his campaign trail promises to shut down fossil fuel. I mean, what company is going to invest in getting more oil out of the ground and building new refineries when the, the incoming administration has vowed to decimate your industry. It just doesn't work. All right, Seth, so what do we have on Ask Shanna? Shanna, we've got Michael here saying blessings to you, Shanna, Seth, and the entire FISM team. I'm way overweighted according to the bar chart and mutual funds. I have TM72, TM68, TM55, and all ETFs 1 through 6. However, I don't have anything in TM59. Should I exchange a whole position or take a little out of each one and put into TM59? There's not much in any of them. I just got carried away and spread them all out. Thank you so much. Also, I'm 67 years old. Okay. Um, so I'm not really sure. He didn't say which allocation model that he's following. So we have primarily two that partners could follow. One is the investment strategy where you build your entire portfolio yourself. And that portfolio is made up mostly of individual stocks. There are some Timothy ETFs, uh, where we try to get some core positions built uh, and build your portfolio around that and some mutual funds where we use those specifically for areas that we have a hard time either vetting out biblically responsibleness, <laughs> if that's a word, um, like in the international markets, it's a little bit more difficult to vet those out. So we use uh, some specialty like the Israel fund, which you just, you know, it's really hard to vet out those and we, and uh, Timothy Plain does a great job with that Israel fund. So we use a part of that. Um, we use some of the 
defensive because it has exposure to some metals that, you know, we we can't get really anywhere else uh, on the market and some fixed income, which is more difficult to do with our strategy, uh, you know, to try to get some individual positions there. So if you're following that strategy and you have all of those other funds, I would say exchange them all into uh, where they need to be. If you're in the Timothy strategy, um, which is a much more hands-off approach, it allows you just to use the Timothy mutual funds and ETF to build your portfolio. Um, you're not as dependent on listening or watching for the alerts. You know, if we if we send out a, a sell alert to sell a particular stock, or when we add things to the buy list that are individual stock positions, you know, you don't really have much to do. You just, if you're in the mutual fund ETF strategy, you, once you get your portfolio built, you just monitor that, you know, maybe do a rebalance twice a year. When you use mutual funds, whether it's Timothy or anybody else, you're hiring professional managers to do the stock selection for you. That's why it's, extremely difficult, if not impossible, to be biblically responsible in a company outside of Timothy, or there's a handful of others that that do follow what we consider to be biblically responsible investing principles. So I uh, hope that helps. It's just, you know, if you're using that portfolio tracker, which it sounds like you are, it's very easy to tell at a quick glance where you're over where you're under. So, you know, you're just going to take from the ones that are over. I would start there, you know, with the with the largest overage and and exchange that into the other funds. So we're coming up on a break here. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues and we'll be back after this. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. 
When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union, your money building God's kingdom. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to to take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus. Read his word daily and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Bird. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Rappel & Company, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. My opinions are my own and don't necessarily reflect those of GA Rappel or the media outlet that you're listening on. So we've got uh, almost a full board now. Let's let's get right to calls and let's go to Rob. Rob's calling us from Ohio. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. Yes, we um, so I'm 51. Um, my wife is 47. We're in the, I believe it's 50, 45 to 55 model. We bought five stocks in the uh, 12 for 22. And I think we put way too much money in it. And now we're wet, really overweighted. And we're looking to kind of balance that out. Um, in the rest of the portfolio, um, should I? What? What are we're trying to figure out um, if we should buy anything in the income stocks? Does, is that just for the next bracket when you're getting ready to retire? Yeah, I would say if you're more than you know five to ten years out from retirement, you really should have a growth focus as long as you have the risk appetite to do that. The income stocks are primarily for the income model and the 65 into retirement model. Okay. So growth. Okay. And uh, the yellow stocks, which are the foundational stocks, would those fit into our model as well? Because we saw a really good one for Costco on the buy list. Okay. Um, Yes, the the yellow stocks are foundational, and so they are good to, to start to build any portfolio. And um, we're also adding in, as things are coming onto the buy list, which as a reminder, you should not buy anything unless it is on the buy list. The broad list is there for informational purposes only. Um, You know, it it indicates some of the stocks that we are following, but it doesn't mean that they are good to buy. I mean, all it means is that they are potentially biblically responsible. They get scrubbed, you know, ever so often, but there's a possibility that they could um, have become not biblically responsible between the time that they were put on and the last time that they were scrubbed. But we always do scrub them 
uh, using the evaluator prior to putting them on the buy list. So yes, you can start with the the yellow stocks, and we're also putting descriptions in there. Um, you'll see the call number, you'll see the, the ticker symbol, you'll see the company name, and then you'll see a description. So we're adding in there the subsector so that you can uh, diversify within your sector. We're also adding the size of the company, whether it's a a small cap, mid cap, or large cap, and whether it's for a growth, growth in income, or income investor. So it'll, it'll have a little subset in there that tells what that's for. That's great. Yep, we're doing that. Um, the, the website on the backside is a little bit clunky, and so it's hard to update uh, in a in a with a lot of data all at one time. So we're doing it little by little, which is uh, a scriptural. Uh, principle that we always apply here at, at the ministry. So as things are going on to the buy list, that's when they get reviewed, refined, and updated, and those those things added in. So so stuff like those healthcare REITs and all those and, and the, uh, the, that are listed in the model that I should have percentages of, if there's not any of those on the buy list at this time, now is not the time to buy them, correct? Correct. So you could work on... Okay. Um, the parts of your portfolio where you're heavy, you could start to pare back some of those, make some decisions about how to do that, and then just wait for things to come onto the buy list. We also have um, some things like particularly in energy right now, we have some stocks that are very similar. We give a little bit of guidance there in the commentary as to, you know, if you're under this age, go with this one. If you're over this age, go with this one, or if you're growth or or uh, income oriented, we give some some guidance there. So you'll want to make sure that you're not um, getting too heavily weighted, even within the sector. So that's why we're adding in that subsector information. One one last real quick thing. So Timothy, we're looking at. Uh, I think we can work on some of the Timothy. If I'm if I'm if I'm reading yes. it right at this time we can still work on some of the timothy and should, and i should be in my model i should be working on um growth there's like a timothy growth fund is that well if or, you're using the investment model there are only a handful of the timothy you know uh, i think maybe three of the timothy funds that go in that model so you either want to pick the investment model or the timothy model Okay, so the Timothy model okay. is a is a more hands-off approach to it. Uh, if you're using the investment strategy, you're building your own portfolio and you're you're picking individual stocks, which is the majority of the portfolio. It does include a, a, a few of the Timothy ETFs and mutual funds, but not the one that you're talking about. Okay. The um so, so, so that that we're we're doing our own. We're not doing the Timothy model. We're doing the investment model. And then, but but there are some Timothys that can go into that investment model. Yes, and you can okay. work on those right. now. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. All right, let's go to Connie. Connie is calling us from Germany. Hey, Shanna. I want to um, just tell you about a little mistake that I made, and I'm I'm, I'm sure you can give me some guidance. I purchased some IT83 on the list that Dan had provided the 12 for 22. And um, I'm trying to get out from under qualified money and just in my brokerage account starting that process. I'm 61. I have nine more years to work. 
but I want to start getting familiar with how that works. So um, in I actually bought 500 shares instead of $500. So the, to the tune of $85,000, which I had the cash. Okay, no problem. But now I'm way overweighted in that sector. And it took a real significant dive after I purchased, of course. Um, we're always told not to get in and get out at the wrong time. So I'm holding on and just I need to get some money out of there and put it somewhere else. And I'm just really not sure of the timing or the process for me to do that. Well, you know, whenever you're building a portfolio, we recommend dollar cost averaging where you put in set amounts of money over time so you get an average cost. You could also apply that same principle to getting out. So you could plan on getting damp back down to your allocation within, say, the next um three to six months, whichever one you choose. If you choose six months, divide the amount that you need to get out by uh, six and take that amount out uh, on the same day uh, of the month every every month for the next six months. So um, you'll have to kind of readjust that as it goes because the price will change. So in the first month, you do one-sixth. The next month, you're going to do one-fifth, so on and so forth. So you can uh, get to where you need to be within you know, three to six months. Perfect. And I really appreciate it. That's going to help me a lot. And I just want to say that using Dan's strategy, um, I put some money in my Roth and I did only Timothy funds when I first started out. That is the one part of my portfolio that has had a 28% increase over all of this COVID and everything going on with the economy. So the plan works. Um, and I, I support it, and I really do appreciate everything you guys are doing to keep information coming to us from a godly view. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for your encouragement, and thanks for sharing your experience. I, I know that that helps a lot of people out there listening. Let's go to Kathy. Kathy's calling us from Florida. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Shanna. I want to thank you also for picking up ministry so so nicely. Oh, Thanks. I have a question. We have um, our financial issues portfolio, but we already had one with a financial advisor, so it's kind of half and half. The financial issues portfolio is so much better than the other one, um, doing so much better that I want to quit the other the other guy, but I don't know how to go about it. Do do I just ask him to turn those? stocks over to me or does he would he want them to be liquidated as he gives them back to us or how does that work um well it really doesn't matter what (laughs) what his preference is um what you would do is wherever you're managing your other portfolio open the same type of account that you have with a financial advisor and then you just submit transfer paperwork so you can give instructions for those things to come over in kind which is probably the best way especially if you would have to pay a, a commission or a sales charge to get out of those uh, particular investments. So you want them to come over into your account. Um, hopefully you're doing it on a discount brokerage platform where it doesn't cost you anything to trade. And then you can make um, those adjustments there. Okay. So they're, they're all, it seems like they're all down. So I, I wouldn't want to do anything with them now. I'm hoping they'll go up eventually. Well, you don't necessarily have to wait for that because in, in a market like we're in right now where we're starting to see um, 
uh, you know, everything. At first, it was very, very focused as to what was going down. It was most of the things that were the big companies that were in the index. Now it's more broad-based. So what you can think about is that if you're going from something that's down to something that's down, it's just a sideways move. So you don't always have to get hung up in, in waiting for those things to recover. In fact, you know, as you mentioned, the 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 portfolio strategy that you're using now with financial issues has done better than your other strategy. So if that holds true, then you would be moving out of investments that are down, that are not performing as well to other investments that could be down. You know, we're looking for opportunities there um, that maybe have a better potential to go up. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to use um, this opportunity as a ministry opportunity. So as you talk to your financial advisor, you can let them know, hey, I've been following a strategy that honors the Lord. I'm a Christian. You know, a lot of the companies that are, uh, that I'm invested in with you are not biblically responsible because they use my money to further agendas that don't line up with my values. And so, you know, thank you for your service and whatever, but my convictions are that I need to be biblically responsible. And a lot of times, you know, when people see you actually putting your money where your mouth is or your money where your faith is, that is a strong testimony to them. So it could encourage them to say, you know, maybe they've never heard of biblically responsible investing, so maybe they're going to look into it. And if they're a Christian, you may plant the seed that, you know, the Holy Spirit uses to convict that person to become biblically responsible in their own practice. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, and God bless your ministry. And God bless you, too, Kathy. Thank you for calling, and thank you for your partnership. So we're coming up on a break here. We've got some calls. We'll get to those and some more information here in the next part, or the last little part of the show today. It's really flown by today. So I'm Shana Burt with Financial Issues, and we'll be back right after this. Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. My opinions are my own. And uh, the information that we give out here is for informational purposes only. And they don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the station that you're listening to or my broker-dealer. So we do have a full board coming on right now. Let's get right to calls, and let's hear from Mary. Mary is calling us from Louisiana. Hi, Mary. You're on Financial Issues. 
Good morning. Good morning. I have a, a question about trusts. I know pretty much how Dan felt about it, but I have a family member who is about to inherit some money, and they believe that they need to put it in a trust. So I'm kind of curious about how you decide whether you need a trust or not. Gosh, that's a very, very broad question, but it's a it's a teachable moment here. Now, there are all kinds of trust and reasons that you would use trust. Um, if you have some special needs or you want to restrict uh, how the money might be used or passed along in the future, that would be a good reason to set up some kind of trust. Now, the foundational thing that you need to know here are there are different kinds of assets and they are passed different ways. So you have probate assets and non-probate assets. Now, creating a trust, of course, is a, a, a perpetual entity and it avoids probate altogether. So if you create a trust, you have to put all of your assets in the trust and then those assets are passed according to whoever is listed as the beneficiaries of the trust. Uh, if you don't have a trust, let's say that you just want to use a will to pass your assets along, then you have to know um, who has jurisdiction or what what legal document has jurisdiction over your assets. Now, you have some non-probate assets out there, that are, and that's any account that passes with a beneficiary designation. So that includes 401k plans, IRA plans, um, all three types, inherited IRAs, traditional IRAs, and Roth IRAs. All of those are non-probate assets. So if you have a will, your will doesn't control those assets. It goes by the beneficiary designation you have listed. So if you have no one listed, then it defaults to your state. And then, of course, it would be controlled uh, and, and divvied up according to what it says in your will. Um, if you have your estate specifically listed, then of course it's going to go by your will, but then you're going to get into losing some benefits that those beneficiaries might have in being able to spread out those assets. Um, a trust will also, you know, give you some protection over could, or could possibly, and you, you want to check with the laws in your state, give you some protection over creditors and, uh, lawsuits, uh, if you establish a trust in that way. So it really just depends on what your purpose and reasoning behind creating a trust is. Okay. <laughs> a lot more involved than I thought. I, I just know I'm, my husband passed away a number of years ago, and we just had a simple will, and everything came to me. And yep. when I pass, I have a will that everything is supposed to split between my three children. Uh -huh. And uh, I just, I, the lawyer that I had, uh, who has since passed away, also didn't really think I needed a trust or anything. So I, I still don't exactly understand <laughs> the differences. Yeah. But um, and for some reason, yeah. my family member thinks that, that it would be easier for, and they're in Texas, so she thinks it would be easier to put this money that they're inheriting into a trust for their family. Yeah. So there are pros and cons. Obviously, it is more expensive to create a trust. And then you have to make sure that you uh, change all of the, the ownership on all of your assets so that they are controlled by the trust. And, you know, so there, it's just a little bit more complicated. But the 
the advantage that a lot of people see is that it avoids probate. So probate is a uh, public process. So if you have a will and you die, uh, you start the probate process, which means that you get your will to in a ter- to, to the courts. The court reviews it and says, yes or no, this is a legal document. And this is what it says. This is the person that is given the authority to get all these assets distributed to the place that the that the deceased would want them to go with a trust. It's just a a perpetual entity. When the trust owner or the trust creator passes, then the successor uh, owners step up into their place. And it's a, it's a quick process. Probate can take a little bit of time, especially during COVID, you know, the courts uh, shut down pretty much uh, when all of the, Uh, mass mandates and the quarantine orders went into place. The court shut down for quite a bit and it made the probate process take a little bit longer. So, you know, it just depends on what the purpose for creating the trust is. And, you know, if it makes sense to do it, you know, which assets do you have? If you have a lot of non-probate assets like your IRAs and you don't really want to try to restrict how that money is passed, then you're probably okay going with just a regular will. Now, of course, I'm not an attorney and, uh, you know, can't give legal advice. And so you would want to check with your own attorney about your specific situation. All right. Well, I certainly do appreciate that and appreciate what you all are doing, trying to carry on this legacy. (laughs) Great. Thanks for calling, Mary. We appreciate your support and your partnership. Well, let's go to Boyce. Boyce is calling us from Arkansas. Good good morning, Santa. How are you today? Better than I deserve. <laughs> hey, my wife and our partners, we appreciate all you do. Uh, I've got two questions for you. <clears throat> First, and I may have I've probably missed your response to this. It's probably been a question you've been asked before, but on the asset allocation model, which I'm out of balance per the per the current model, and there are some um, individual stocks that. Uh, I'm significantly up on. Are you recommending that I should, especially in the day's time, maybe take the take a lot of take some of the profits and sell those, and then position myself to reinvest to rebalance either now or later? Yeah. So your asset allocation is the most important thing that you want to try to keep into balance. So as you're looking at that, especially if you're using the portfolio tracker, if you're a prime partner, you're going to get a really fast indication of what where you need to start looking to pair back and where that money needs to move. So, you know, you kind of want to go with that um, with the guideline of having between one and two and a half percent in an individual stock position. So if, you know, looking at that, if you have some positions that are, um, you know, in excess of that, you probably want to start there and rebalance that way. Okay. All right. Now, the second question is about uh, an IRA, and I want to lead into this, that I do have an individual brokerage account and an IRA, and I retired three years ago. My IRA consists of a 401k and the uh, company uh, contributed retirement benefits. And when I retired, I, I, I took my individual accounts and re and, and turned that to cash and reinvested per uh, the financial issues 
suggested buy stock. So with that, with that in the last three years, currently on those investments, uh, I'm up 30% for the life and for the year, uh, only down 4.8%. At the same time, I have the IRA in a managed account uh, for the life of the, the past three years. It is only up 16%. And year-to-date, it's down 17.5%. So currently, my losses are, are only a quarter of what they would have been by managing it through financial issues. So thank you for that. But my question is, uh, I have a decision to make. How difficult would it be if I assumed management of the IRA and, and distributed my assets per financial issues recommendation? How difficult with the distributions or the payouts, because I'm currently am draw, withdrawing from the RA, how difficult would that be if I managed it myself? I would not think it would be very difficult at all. So you just follow the same steps that you use to set up your non-qualified account. I would set it up at the same uh, discount brokerage that you have the non-qualified account. When you're using the tracker, you want to, as long as both of these accounts are have similar goals like to be used to fund retirement. You want to put them in the same model. Um, just list out all of your positions there. Uh, you just open your account. You fill out a transfer form. You provide them with a copy of your current statement. They send it to your current custodian and the assets will typically come over in kind. And once they get there, because it's in an IRA, you don't have to worry about any capital gains or any taxes. That's a, um, you know, it's a tax neutral move. You can move those to cash and then you can get them reallocated. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, uh, your experience using the FISM strategy. And uh, we really appreciate that. It's, you know, we can talk about it all day about how much confidence we have in what we're doing and putting the Lord first with biblically responsible investing. But to hear, uh, a specific testimony, an individual testimony, I think that goes a long way. So thanks for sharing that. Well, thank you. Keep up the great work. All right. All right, folks. Um, we have a little bit of time left. We've got another call to get to uh, today. Uh, when we come back from this next break, and then I want to share some information with you about what's happening uh on the inflation front, the oil front, what's going on with the SPR. So stay tuned. We're going to be back after this next break. And um, we'll try to get to some more Ask Shanna or some social questions. But, um, you know, had a great show today. So we thanks for your thank you for your participation and calling in. And stick with us. We'll be back for 15 more minutes right after this. I'm excited to let you know of some great news. My name is Tim Bassanio, and I'm the host of a new and exciting and biblically-based show about men doing good. That's right. The show is called Good Guys Doing Good.
I travel all over the country meeting good guys that love the Lord and they're called according to his purpose. Tune in for this week's episode this Wednesday and make sure that you go to FISM.tv slash good guys to stream the entire season. Go to FISM.tv slash good guys. Here at the AFA Foundation, we help families just like yours shore up permanent income for their retirement years through our charitable gift annuities. AFA Foundation's Associate Director, Chelsea Wildman. We would love to work with you to see if a charitable gift annuity is right for your situation. With a charitable gift annuity, you'll be giving to the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association, and you'll be ensuring that you receive a lifetime income and excellent tax benefits. You can fund a CGA through cash, credit card, or stock. Why not reach out to the AFA Foundation team today? A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Give us a call and let's talk about a charitable gift annuity. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250, keyword baby, pound 250 baby or donate securely at preborn.com that's preborn.com sometimes it's hard to keep up with the news of the day at fism news we strive to report stories as clearly and simply as possible for your benefit stories that you need to know you can watch us on fism.tv and by downloading the fism app also don't forget to follow us on twitter at fism news The opinions and recommendations expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt. And if you were listening during the break there, you just heard them talk about some original content from FISM TV, which is Good Guys Doing Good. It's a series, uh, some original content that our crew's Put together, it is an awesome series. It's an original, uh, original content, like I said, and you can find that on the FISM TV if you're on the computer or on the phone app, and you can you can check that out. So that's another great work that your ministry, if you're supporting the ministry either through a partnership or as a monthly soldier, that you can uh, be proud of as we're bringing that. Christian content uh, to the rest of the world. So let's get right back to calls. We've got Helen calling from Texas. Hi, Helen. Hi, Shanna. 
Um, I just want to agree with um, that about good guys. Just want to let everybody know. Be sure and watch it. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and I'm so glad that I'm able to partner with FISM monthly and to know that all the good things that are coming out, it, it's just wonderful. So I just encourage everybody to be a monthly soldier. It doesn't take much. It's only $20, but any amount. So it's just going all for the work of the Lord and to and to make the kingdom better. So, um, But I have a question on A-shares. I, I track with you with the Timothy allocations on 45 to 55, and I have some C-shares in there. But I also have A share, so, and I've had them more than thirteen months. So I don't know if I should be moving those C shares over to my A shares, and um, how does that work? If I just do the exchanges, or should I just leave them alone? And um, and then my second question is, my husband has uh, a, a Roth. IRA and he and we really want to get it out of qualified and just put it in a regular investment and it's in t- at Timothy also and do we just call him and saying just and he's had it since 2013 so um, he's 59 he'll be 60 in December and is it just as easy as calling Timothy and asking him to switch it over just to an investment account and those are my questions. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for being a partner and thank you for being a monthly soldier. We appreciate that so much. And thank you for that, for that uh, encouragement and testimony for others to watch that content. Um, as far as the exchange goes, so if you have A, ser- a shares and C shares, um, you, you'll want to contact your brokerage platform and just see if they can convert those to one or to, to the A shares for you. You don't really want to sell your C shares and buy an A share. I would just kind of leave them alone, but any new purchases I would do in the A share if they can't just go, if they can't just go ahead and convert those over for you. Um, you want to you want to go with the A shares because longer term that's going to have a lower cost structure. Yes, you'll have to pay a little commission to get into them, but mutual funds are designed to be long term investments. If you don't have eight to ten years, you shouldn't even be looking at the mutual funds. So the A shares, you know, where the kind of the break even for most A and C shares is around years seven to ten, uh, meaning that a, a C share has higher internal cost. So it's kind of like the difference if you're buying a home, you know how you can buy down the points, you can pay more upfront to get a lower ongoing rate. That's how it works with A shares versus C shares. With A shares, you pay an upfront commission, but you have lower internal ongoing expenses. With the C share, it's kind of like financing that upfront purchase over time. So what happens beyond year, somewhere between year eight to 10, is that it becomes much more expense, not much more, but it becomes more expensive to hold a C share than it does for an A share. On the second question, um, with the Roth, I would say before it it would be as easy as you calling them and telling them what you want to do. You would have to open a new account, a non-qualified account, and then have the money just distributed from the, and you could even do it in kind. You can have the funds distributed from the Roth to the individual account. Now, here's the difference, and I don't know that if I would do that just yet, because 
the Roth as it sits right now is the most tax beneficial account that you could have. Now, it is still considered qualified money because it qualifies for special tax treatment. Now, you pay the money that you contributed was after tax dollars. That's going to be even more beneficial to you in the future if tax rates go up which is probably the likely scenario. I mean, I'm in the camp that taxes are going to be higher in the future than what they are today. So you have a bigger tax equivalent yield down the road of taking that money out tax-free. So I don't know, you know, I I would really reconsider distributing the Roth out to a non-qualified account right now unless they change the rules because the the risk to the Roth account is regulation risk because the government created it. They control the the rules around it right now. The rules are very favorable for the Roth account, but that could change. So um, easy to do, but, you know, don't know for sure if I would really do that without knowing what the rest of your assets look like. Okay. Well, thank you so much. God bless. Great. God bless you, too. Well, let's get right to a clip from the FISM News about the SPR. America's emergency crude oil stockpile has dropped to its lowest level in 37 years, falling by 4.6 million barrels last week to the lowest it's been since May of 1985. President Biden has been releasing a million barrels per day since March in an effort to tackle soaring gas prices. Last week, Texas Senator Ted Cruz said the move could be a security risk. Here's the senator. Then he's taken the unprecedented step of releasing an arbitrary amount of our emergency crude oil stockpile in order to try to lower gas prices before the midterm elections. The Biden administration has even sold at least 2 million barrels of oil to the Chinese Communist Party's state-owned oil and gas company, Sinopec. China, at this very moment, has created the world's largest stockpile of crude oil, which, according to Bloomberg, totals 926 million barrels. The U.S. is now sitting at about 469 million barrels of reserve oil. Hmm. Emergency. So he's releasing this oil to China based on an emergency. What's the emergency? That you're about to lose the midterm elections? (laughs) That's not a good reason. Let me give you some background here. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve was created in the 1970s on the heels of the 1973 oil embargo when members of OPEC, led by Saudi Arabia, who we've been begging to increase oil production recently, uh, targeted nations that, get this, supported Israel during the Yom Kippur War. During the embargo, the price of oil rose uh, between 3 and 400% from $3 a barrel, can you imagine that, to nearly $12 a barrel globally. But the U.S. saw prices significantly higher at about 400%. So the impact of the embargo was immediate and devastating to the U.S. and the world economies. The price of oil quadrupled by 1974. Um, That's equivalent in today's dollars to seeing the price of a barrel of oil spike from $100 to 3 or $400. So can you imagine seeing gas prices at $19 or $20 a gallon right now? The SPR was, was created to protect the U.S. from, 
quote unquote, severe emergency supply disruption. If, or rather I should say when our enemies decide to use oil as a weapon again, why in the world would we be selling oil to China? The SPR is for emergency conditions for U.S. citizens, not for our enemies. It's not okay for him to release this oil to China, especially if its purpose is to, what, line the pockets of his family or win a midterm election. U.S. Senator Josh Hawley sent a letter to the Department of Energy Inspector General demanding that she investigate President Joe Biden's recent ongoing release of SPR oil to over 5 million barrels, not just the 2 million that Ted talked about going to China, but 5 million barrels that have been allegedly shipped out of the U.S. It's not okay. Why does China need it anyway? Think about it. You just heard the numbers. China has almost double what we have stockpiled. China has no oil of its own. Why are they stockpiling oil? And what could they possibly use it for that would benefit us? Nothing. China is not our friend. Besides, they are not sanctioning Russian oil. They're still buying it. Why can't they get it from Russia instead of from us? Then we have to think about what price is he going to have to pay, Biden, going to have to pay to replace it? Because at some point, we need to have those built back up. The releases aren't impacting gas prices enough to be meaningful to U.S. consumers anyway. You know, Trump filled the SBR with 75 million barrels of oil when it went negative right after the COVID crisis began. Do you think this would be happening under a Trump administration? Do you think we would be selling oil to China? Do you think we would be begging Saudi Arabia to produce more oil when we've got more resources here in the U.S. than we can shake a stick at? No, none of this nonsense would be going on if Trump was still in office. Well, folks, we're at the end of the program today. We thank you for joining us. We thank you for all of the encouragement that you send our way, for partnering with the ministry and for being a soldier. Uh, We have to remember Jesus is coming back soon. The master is going to ask for an account of what we did with the time, talent, and treasure that he trusted us with while he was gone. And we want to be found good and faithful servant. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.